is all about this week. It's all about walking in faith. And uh, eventually, I'll be asking you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. That's where we'll be looking at this morning. And a great water story. Jesus walks on the water. But before we do that, I want to ask you, uh, I want to show you something. I think I've, some of you may have seen this before, but it kind of sets the stage for what I want to talk about this morning. I want to go back to a story in the beginning, in the very beginning. In the beginning, there was nothing but God. And God said, let there be light. And it was good. On the second day, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was good. On the third day, God gathered the waters together into one place, and the dry land appeared, and that was good. On the fourth day, God made the sun to shine during the day, and the stars to twinkle in the sky at night, and that was good. On the fifth day, God filled the waters with fish. And he filled the air with birds. Oh, that was kind of good. On the sixth day, God made the animals. He made the rhino. He made the giraffe. He made the alligator. And also on the sixth day, God created a man in his own image. He did that by blowing his breath into the dust. And out of the dirt, a man was formed. But God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. And so he put the man into a deep sleep. And from the man's side, he pulled a rib. And from the rib, he created a woman. That was so very good. And on the seventh day, God rested. And that's the story of creation. And I'd like to ask you this question. Do you believe that? Oh, good. Good that you believe that. The second question is just important. And don't get defensive. You need to be able to answer this. How? How do you believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth when you can't possibly get your mind around that? You can't possibly comprehend the nature of what it means to create ex nihilo out of nothing, to bring something into existence just by a spoken word that was never there before. And so how do you believe, and you need to defend this, that God created the heavens and the earth? church by faith now a lot of times people will say because the word says so good we believe in the inspired word of god we believe in its inspiration but if you turn to your bibles to hebrews chapter 11 this is what the bible says about believing hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 and what's it say by faith, we understand that the, uniform, the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Yes, we believe it because the word says so, but the word says you can't believe that God created the heavens and the earth without what? Faith. Faith. Because without faith, church, it is impossible. Impossible to please God. And here's the other thing. Go ahead and put that song on if you would. If you don't believe Genesis 1-1 by faith, then everything that follows makes no sense at all. The entire Bible. God created Adam bit, had to split, Noah's boat made to float, Father Abraham. Isaac fooled by Jacob's wool, Joseph rules, loses clout, Jews are around, slavery ensues. Moses stutters, Pharaoh utters, no blood does flow, so they go, armies giving chase. 
Red Sea parted, an ark is carted, a nation started, sacred place. Judges rule before the kings. They sure make a mess of things. King Saul freaks, David peaks, prophets warn, Messiah is born. Twelve disciples handpicked, heal the sick, branches waved, people saved, tables overturned. Upper room and garden gloom, fear and dread, Jesus dead, buried in a tomb. Three days later, Christ rose, vanquished foes, spirits flame, spreads the name, fa-la-la-la-la. Paul does missions, John has visions, God's decisions, that's the end. So that's the entire word. And you got to believe, you got to believe Genesis 1-1 to believe it all, right? So we're going to go into this story about the, fee, um, the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, I love this story where Jesus feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish in this account. Uh, one of the only miracles that appears in all four Gospels. I think it may be the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels. Uh, this multiplication of loaves and fishes. But we're going to pick it up in chapter 14, verse 22. The Bible says, immediately... Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Now, I don't know that much Greek and Hebrew, but I know something about this word. It means get in the boat. You know how Bill Cosby defines this when he talks to children. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. <laughs> the nature of the beast here is Jesus is agitated about something. What could he possibly be agitated about? What has happened during the course of the context of the feeding of the 5,000 that has made Jesus agitated? Was he, there's a sense that, get you, and Peter probably said, well, we don't want to go anywhere, we just want to sit and eat. That was such a, get in the boot. <laughs> What's up with Jesus? It's bad attitude. So the disciples get into the boat, and then uh, the word here, you follow along with me, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but th- basically, he sends them out onto the Red Sea. I love that, it's not a sea. How many of you been there? <laughs> it, it's a lake. It's six miles wide at its widest point. Okay, so the disciples, who are most of them are veterans of this particular body of water, and there's uh, 12 of them. They're out there rowing along, and Jesus goes onto the mountains, which would be most likely the Golan Heights. So he's standing on a mountain range. This isn't supernatural. This isn't, ooh, he's not looking at them through a crystal ball. He can see them from where he is on the mountains. And he looks down at this point, and the Bible says he prayed. Now, I am speculating at this point in time. But I like to think the prayer went something like this. Bring it on. (laughs) And I don't know how you feel about that. Because the churches that I have been a part of all my life have this lovely little picture of Jesus that looked like he just came out of a hair conditioning uh, commercial. You know, with that. (sighs) You know, and I'm like, how could that guy? He called in this storm is my interpretation. I don't know how you feel about Jesus calling you into the storm, but I got good news and I got bad news for you. Jesus is more concerned about your spiritual condition than your situation. And so he's got your back, but he's going to call you into a storm, and it's for a reason. 
And the reason that I think is because, you know, I've been in communications and teaching for a long time. I believe there's no better place to learn life's lessons than the school of hard knocks. And so blah, 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 blah. And then life hits you like a freight train. And that's where you really, and so Jesus gets all that. I'm going to tell you what, he was a master teacher, right? He could have sent those disciples right in the boat and said, but he knew, he knew that, you know, that's a little bit like the comic strip, the Peanuts comic strip character, the teacher there. What do they hear? You speak and they hear, wow, 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 wow. Yeah, do we have any more to eat? Like, are we going on a boat ride today? What's up? So Jesus says, they need to learn it. I'm going to tell you that the lesson was somehow related to the situation. What I'm saying here is this lesson was hugely important for Jesus to put his disciples in harm's way like this. This lesson mattered. And so Jesus prays, bring it on. Here comes the storm. It's called a squall. I've been there. I know what it sounds like and what it feels like because I've been on the sea when it wasn't a squall, it was a storm. But they tell when the squalls come up, they're ferocious. It's the nature of the topography there. And so here comes the squall, and the disciples are rowing fast and furious. How wide is the lake? Six miles at its widest point. In another account of this story, we find out that the Bible, uh, we find out that the disciples went halfway across the lake. Jesus appears in the fourth watch of the night. Does anybody know what time that would be? Somewhere between three and six, the fourth watch of the night. So do the math. Let's say they leave at dusk. Sometime after dinner, and Jesus appears in the fourth watch, nine hours, and they rode three miles. Does that tell you anything about the nature of the storm? It should. It was horrendous. And they're, help us. And they're praying. I love this. No, they're not praying. They're crying out to God. Ah! Ah! And so here comes Jesus. This is classic Christian. How do we do this? We pray for God. We pray to God. God, please help me. I need a job. I need, I need, I need. Whatever we need. We need. Oh, God, I need you. And then God shows up, providing the answer. And what do we do? Ah! <laughs> Don't we? Because it's not the answer we wanted. Now, I, obviously, they didn't recognize Jesus. And I think that's part of the point. We're praying. We just don't recognize Jesus in the answer. <laughs> but there he is. He's standing right there. Got your back, fellas. It's all G. We got it. And then this magnificent, glorious moment. I love Peter. Maybe I like Peter because he's so much like me. Rough, tough. Uh, uh, he's, he is loud, obnoxious. He's out there. Yeah! I gotta love this guy. I gotta love him. And he stands up in this moment. Now, I'm gonna tell you something in another, this other account of this story. The Bible says, and you gotta grasp this because this kills me. Jesus, the master teacher, set the whole thing up. The Bible says, and he would have passed them by. I don't plan a lesson for that long or that severity and then let the teachable moment pass them by. So here's Jesus. He's like, it's me. And they're, ah! And so the Bible says, he goes, you got to add that. That's between the lines. That's true. You know, I'm fair. But here's the, here's the deal. Then Peter jumps up and says, hey, Jesus, if that's you, what a brilliant statement. 
command me to come out on the water. And in a moment, with half a sentence, Peter turns foolishness into faith. Because getting out of a boat and walking on the high seas during a storm is stupid. (laughs) Unless, what? Jesus says, come. The nature of the call is only two things. Follow me. Follow me. Come. Follow me. Come. That's what it's going to be. You're never going to get more than that. And why, church? Because without faith, it is impossible. See, Jesus says, come. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And, and by the way, he smiled. He's like, yes. Urgh. I can work with somebody like that. Somebody who's willing to get out of their boat and walk on the water like you were made to do. Ah, come. And here's the, here's the points. I'm going to go through them very quickly. Three points in a poem. You'll love this. <laughs> if you're going to walk in faith, here's the first thing you've got to do. You've got to step out. Step out of your comfort zone. What is your comfort zone? What is your boat today? What is that thing that just, and I'll tell you what. As soon as you get rid of one boat, there's another boat. As soon as you get rid of that boat, there's another boat. Don't think because you stepped out in faith once that that's the end of it. As long as you're here, you are being transformed Don't conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. That's a process of getting out of your boat all the time. So what is your boat today? What is your boat now? What is that comfort area that's saying, I ain't getting out? Jesus is saying, step out of it. I am not getting in that boat with you. If you want to see, if you want to see life, if you want to experience power, then get out of the boat. Step number two, step over, then uh, step out. And then guess what? You're going to have to step over. As soon as you step out of something, you're going to have Peter had to step over that hall. I'll bet that was scary. You know, it's one thing. How many times have you thought about doing something exciting in the kingdom of God and God bursts something in your heart and he's calling you out and you're like, whoa, that'd be, because that's the fun part. Conception is the fun part. This part is hard. And you can bet that as soon as you step out, you're going to have to step over something. Talk to me about David. 1 Samuel chapter 16, what's David doing? He's being anointed by Samuel and called forth to be the next king of Israel. And what's the next chapter? He's standing in front of a giant. Jesus couldn't even pass this. He was called forth into public ministry in the River Jordan by John. And then what happens? Where is he next? Hello? He's in the temptation in the wilderness. Do you see? You're going to step out. You're going to have to step over. And then there's one more thing, and it's important. You're going to step out, you're going to step over, but you better be stepping on something. And that's something that you're stepping on better be this, or it better be lined up with this. This is the word of God, and the word of, the God, is, uh, of God is strong, and it's sure, and it gives us sure footing. And I'm going to tell you, those of you that have experienced walking in faith, and, and I know all of you have. I know you know what this feels like because you're a Christian, So I know you've experienced at least this part of it. But you also know that if you step out in faith without knowing that you know that you know, (laughs) you're going to sink. Because there is going to come a time when you have to step over those obstacles. It's going to get really, really rough, really, really tough. And you're going to have to know that you know that you know. And so this is really where I encourage the discipline of the memorization of God's word. Hiding it in your heart. So that when you need it, You can call upon it. Jesus did this, didn't he, in the wilderness? How did he respond every time the devil gave him something? 
Word of God. Word of God. Word of God. I know that I know that I know. So you step out, you step over, you step on. And that's the model for walking in faith. And I'd like to spend more time on that, but we don't have a lot more time. And I want to kind of bring this to closing today. I want to I say this about this moment. Look down here. Um, verse 29. Come, Jesus said. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Do you see the setup and the wrapping paper on this whole experience? What was the point for the feeding of the 5,000? Why was Jesus agitated? Can you see it? 5,000 people on a hillside. They don't have anything to eat. Send them home, master. Send them home, master. We're not going to be able to feed them. There's going to be a riot, Lord. The disciples are concerned about dinner when they're with the guy that raises people from the dead. (sighs) And I bet Jesus felt just like that. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're worried about dinner? Dinner, really? Being fed. So he does this miracle and then he goes, hmm, 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 This is how the story comes forth and then it ends here. And the point is made, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Now I'm going to ask you to just step out of your minds for a second. Because what I'm going to say next is probably not something you thought of before. Maybe you have. I hate the sermons that are preached on this message that go like this. Oh, that Peter, he took his eyes off of Jesus. Because he took his eyes off of Jesus, that's true. Yeah, but I don't think that's the point. You know, because, hey, as far as I can tell, there's only one guy walking on water that day. So let's hear it for Pete. Yeah. And there's 11 disciples in the boat. What's wrong with this picture? And so when Jesus reaches down, my take is that he gives Peter the wink. And then he looks up at 11 disciples still in a boat and he says, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? That's the point. This week we're going to be talking about faith. What it means to walk on water. It is the essence of the Christian experience. That's why we call it faith because we do what we do as Christians and call it faith. And apart from that, there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do that will ever be in the will of God. So when it doesn't make sense, when it's not working out, when no one else understands, my guess is you're kind of working towards the will of God for your life. Because if you can make sense of it, just like the universe, and you can do it by yourself, then you really don't need God to start with, do you? And that is not where God wants you. So we're going to close this portion of our service this morning with a piece that I'd like to share with you. And it puts all of this, I think, in a visual perspective. And as you watch, my, my question to you is, what is your boat? And is God calling you out of it?
climb out of this boat again Under the crashing waves To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is And he's holding out his hand But the waves are calling out my name And they laugh at me Reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed The ways they keep on telling me Time and time again Boy, you never win You never win But the voice of truth Tells me a different story The voice of truth Cheers! 
think that was my cue. Well, we've had a great challenge this morning to step out of the boat, and I don't know what that boat may be for you, don't know what God may be doing in your life, don't know what storm he may have led you into, but it's a great reminder that he doesn't lead us into a storm where he's not there, he's not watching over us, and he's not trying to teach us about himself in the midst of that. So this morning, we want to give you an opportunity to respond uh, to this challenge uh, that's been spoken to your heart this morning. Our pastors are available, and if you want someone just kind of pray for you, pray over you uh, in this journey and where you are, then we'd love to do that. If you want to come and just spend some time at the altar uh, before the Lord this morning, we want to invite you to do that. So at this time, let's stand, and if God's spoken in some way and you need to respond today, then our pastors are available, the altar is open, you come at this time.